Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is made by fans for fans, where the content is free. It's free, guys. That's free content for you every every Sunday night. But we're also we've got the the online stuff at the website. We've got the forums. So there's lots of stuff, and it's all free, and it's all done, as I said, by Rangers fans for you guys. Uh, this is episode 83 of the Jersnet podcast, and it's been an absolutely incredible week. It's been it's it's hard to comprehend actually what's happened over the last few days. So we'll try and get through as much of that as possible. Uh, as I said, it's episode 83 of the pod. We would encourage you to subscribe. We've got 2,500 subscribers now in Ryzen. Uh, if you enjoy the pod, give us a wee like and a share and a subscription and all that kind of thing. Get the word out there that we're doing this. Uh, the pod is live tonight. It's Sunday night and we're live tonight, but it will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms. Uh, if you listen most weeks, you'll know what those are. It's Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher. And down with the kids on Spotify. Uh, as I said earlier, I really it, it, it is hard to take in what's happened over the last few days. Uh, it does kind of feel like end of days. You know, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's it's certainly something that I don't think we've ever seen before. And, and coming out of Ibrox on Thursday night, there, you know, be, became quite apparent that it could be the last time we'll be there for uh, a, a good good while. Obviously, we played by Leverkusen on Thursday, so we'll go through that, and then we'll have a wee look at the whole situation that's developed since. Uh, joining me tonight, we were supposed to have Stephen Clifford on, but he has actually developed symptoms, uh, so he has had to self-isolate, so, and that just kind of shows you how serious uh, the whole thing is, that it's here, it's on our doorstep, so uh, thoughts to Stephen, and hope, hopefully he gets well soon. So the only man left standing, uh, and he's not feeling too well either, but I think it's more of a self-inflicted nature, is David Wren. How are you, David? Oh, God. <laughs> yes, I, I, you even I, sound no well there. That's a good start there. Uh, <laughs> no, self-inflicted completely by, by alcohol rather than anything else. But, um, but I wouldn't miss this for the world, you know, you're the most important yeah, well, person in my life now, so. Yes, yeah, so spending an hour of my time. I mean, who could who could turn Perfect. down such an opportunity, especially in, in in such bleak circumstances? You know, what I mean, you're looking for something to to lighten up your Sunday night, and I'm that guy. Yeah. yeah. So, so how say spending spending time with your loved ones in these trying times, I think, is important. So that's why I made the decision to come on tonight. Quite right, and and I and I appreciate your your your, your love and your concern. Uh, how are you coping? I mean, I, I had a wee incident yesterday. I was walking down to walking into the town with my boy, and we were just sort of talking about the, the current situation. And uh, I, said, I said to him at one point, you know, I says, "What's well, as March?" I says, "You're probably looking, you know, if things develop the way we expect them to develop, and, and the season is is cancelled from here on in." You know, we won't see football again to sort of August, September. And the two is just at that point, I think that's when the the reality of the situation hit the two is. We just sort of looked at one another like, oh my God, you know what I mean? It's kind of like four months we know football. And, and to, to compound matters, you know what I mean? I saw a tweet yesterday saying that Mrs. Brown's boys live was replacing match of the day. You know what I mean? I felt like going to a, a tall building and jumping off it. So 
We're only one day into it or two days into it. How are you coping with no football? Um, it's not ideal. What The thing that I keep doing is going to get my phone and go on live score to check the scores. And I realise <laughs> there's, there's no nothing there. So that's what I've noticed, noticed the most. But um, when I, well, I went, I met my, my mum and dad in the pub last night and my, my girlfriend and so BT Sport had on Halifax Town playing someone. Um, so it's quite interesting just to, to see the exposure they clubs are getting, you know, this time. And that's actually one one small positive. You know, it's a good good opportunity for these non-league clubs, you know, for however long that will last as well, because I wouldn't be surprised to see their, their games um, called off soon. But no, it was good to see them get a bit of exposure, but certainly it's difficult at the moment. Um, I think the uncertainty more than anything uh, is, is the thing that's affecting people the most. I think there's certainly a fear about the actual, you know, coronavirus itself. But I think the uncertainty, as we mentioned off air, you know, the uncertainty for businesses, football clubs, um, and such like, I think, is the bigger worry. I think that the, the coronavirus being here as a worry, the knock-on effect of, you know, going into lockdown or whatever for the next month or so, um, I think the bigger picture probably has to be looked at there and, the worrying thing about the full situation is what what impact it could have on on you know businesses and the the wider community. Well, I, I mean it's funny you say that. I mean, but my weekend was supposed to be uh, yesterday morning. I was supposed to be going to watch my boy play football in Bishop Brantee, the game out there. That's been cancelled, and and that that's indefinitely. And we've we've also been informed that we don't know if the boys will be allowed to train. So that whole thing is up in the air. Uh, and yesterday afternoon, I was planning to go to the Camelon game. So when like it was announced on Friday that UEFA and SPFL and all the other sort of major leagues were, were stopping everything, I kind of consoled myself with the fact, well, you know, I'll still get a game to see. I'll, I'll pop and see the Camelon games. Literally about an hour later, found out that all those games are off as well. And obviously the Rangers game is off today. You know, the big game at Ibrox should have been playing Celtic today. So my whole weekend was revolving around three games of football and all of them are gone and all of them are gone for the foreseeable future. So, and that, we'll probably touch on this later on in the show, but you know, the implications that's going to have, even for like the businesses round about Ibrox, you know, your pubs, your Loudon taverns and all that kind of thing, the, the implications that it's going to have on them. I was at my local in, in Falkirk yesterday and, and speaking to the, don't know that that establishment and they had real fears about their future, you know, because I, I mean, I think a lot of high streets are struggling anyway, you know, so if you, you take away something that brings football uh, footfall into the thing, then it, it just has this huge knock-on effect and as you say, the, the, the virus itself is a concern, I mean, I'm not within the injury group that it, that it sort of has the biggest impact on. Sure. But, aye, okay. <laughs> and uh, but you're worried about if you do get it, you pass it on to someone in that age group. But I think my, my main concern is, you know, what what's the wider impact on society going to be in terms of the economy and football clubs and that kind of thing. So we'll try and get we'll try and uh, get onto that sort of stuff later on because a lot has happened off the park to talk about since it was announced and all games have been suspended. I thought we should at least look at the Leverkusen game, David, because it could be the last game of football we're talking about for quite a while, uh, so I thought we'd have a wee look at that. I, I mean, first things first, I thought it was a questionable decision to 
have the game getting played. I must admit, I was in two minds about going when it was confirmed that the game was on. There was a lot of sort of misinformation doing the rounds on Thursday. There was stuff going out going, the game's going to get cancelled, it's going to get postponed, blah, blah, blah. Didn't really know until sort of mid to late afternoon that bang, the game is definitely on. I must admit, especially when you consider that, you know, fans were coming from Germany where, where it's, you know, there's, there's a quite a serious issue with the coronavirus over there. So you're thinking all these people who can't travel to football games in their own country can travel to Scotland and, and get to a football game here. So I had, I had concerns, but I went anyway. Uh, me and my boy were there. So in terms of the overall performance, I, I mean, I felt that Rangers played okay. I don't think we got as big a doing as we got off of Braga in terms of you know how they played. I, I just thought that, that, that Leverkusen were far more efficient, you know, dominated possession as such and, and, and sort of controlled the tempo of the game. And then when their chances came, they took them. I thought we had a wee spell in the second half and it looked like, we, you know, we might actually, I thought when Camberry came on, we might have a wee chance here to maybe sneak a draw, uh, but not to be. But So how was, how was your thoughts on the game? Um, well, it was a, it was, I agree with you. I think the <clears throat> communication from UEFA wasn't great throughout the day because obviously... For guys like the boys that come over from Northern Ireland and, and further up north, I mean, I'm not going to, it's not a war me type thing, but even, you know, the bus I get from Dundee, we leave at half past four um, to get into Glasgow for seven o'clock traffic and stuff like that. Uh, so it's really not ideal. I mean, I, all day I was I was convinced it was going to be called off. I think it was a lot of conflicting news reports. So then to find out, you know, so late on, was going ahead was 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 questionable, um, and then obviously what happened on Friday, you know, it seemed to be quite a quick turnaround. Uh, I think UEFA probably completely um, misunderstood, like misread the situation because obviously the the announcement be a meeting, which would take place the following Tuesday, and and obviously the, the following day they then changed it and, and cancelled the cancelled the games uh, accordingly. Um, but yeah, I made it through to the game. Thought, yeah, like you, I think it was just it seemed a bit odd to have fifty thousand people uh, crammed into crammed into a stadium in a situation like that. But it was heartening to see the amount of people that were following guidelines in the toilets and queues to wash your hands, which isn't always associated with football grounds. I don't think. Um, and I think everyone was taking the right precautions, but. Yeah, it probably wasn't an ideal situation. Uh, the game itself, I thought, I thought we were we were fine, as you say. I think the first, or sort of twenty minutes or so, I think we were okay. Um, we we were certainly sitting off them deliberately. I think just to to let them have the ball. The problem with that is, you know, you've been Ibrox enough times. I'm sure many of the listeners have been. It doesn't always fly that that approach at Ibrox, and I think that. It's quite difficult to to set off teams because the fans expect you to be to be attacking all the time. So, um, but yeah, I thought we I thought we were okay. Just didn't really create much. Um, and then second half, as you're saying, when Canberra came on, gave us a bit of life. Uh, and I thought when we actually went after them, we, we did okay. And the problem was, I actually thought Tavernier had a really good game. But he's he's lacking that confidence just in the edge of the box that perhaps he wasn't lacking before Christmas. Um, 
made a couple of driving runs, just didn't quite pull the trigger. Uh, and I think for all the taverniers on Thursday night, it was always a Ryan Kent. So you know, even on the right-hand side there, you had the Tavernier who was playing relatively well, but every time he gave the ball to Kent, he was giving away or knocking it apart or miscontrolling it. I think that was a downfall on Thursday night. I think we just didn't have enough players at the top of the game. And for every player that was playing well, you had two or three that weren't. So it was difficult. It was a, it was a tough night. I, I think, um, you know, the result you couldn't really argue with, I don't think. I, th- I, think I, that, I thought it was slightly flatter than I thought 2-1. I thought 3-1 was a wee bit harsh. But yeah, I know what you're saying. I think I think I was certainly a lot more impressed with Braga uh, than I was Leverkusen. But I thought Leverkusen were a really efficient side. Um, who were able to control the tempo of the game, which was impressive. But Braga had that bit more, yes, a bit more sort of uh, pizzazz, almost. Pizzazz? Check you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, coming back in the train, that's what I've seen. Uh, me and my son were talking about it, as I said. And I, I, I kind of came to the conclusion, I was like, you know something, I'm really struggling to think of a German team that has really wowed me with their, their sort of style of play. Even the German national team, you know, I, I think uh, Dortmund under Klopp had a wee bit of it. Uh, I think the, the the German side that won the World Cup, was it 2012 or something like that, they were a decent side to watch. But overall, German, I, I wouldn't say they're boring, but the, the, they just turn up and, as, as I said, they're just really efficient. You know, they dominate possession uh, and they just keep probing. They don't have a sort of stylish, entertaining way of football. They just turn up, do the job. And I think that's what Leverkusen done. They just, even although they didn't blow us off the park as much as Braga did in the first hour of that first leg, you could tell they were in control. You could tell they were a decent team. Uh, and that's how it turned out. It was the first time, excuse me, that VAR had ever been used uh, at Ibrox, David. Now, I, I don't know where you watched the game. I was in I was in my usual seat in the governing year. Now, I didn't see the incident in, in terms of... I didn't see a handball. I didn't see any players claiming for it. I saw the ball go out for a corner kick. And then there was just this sort of general confusion as to why is he taking so long to take this corner kick. And then you look up at the screens, bang, up it comes, potential penalty check. And I just found the whole thing... I've, I've always had this thing about VAR. One, I'd, I'd, I'd say in previous pods, you know, that this is going to bite us in the arse. And it did. Uh, because the referee never seen it, the linesman never seen it, the VAR pick up on it. But I, 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 my biggest, sort of, or one of my biggest scrapes with VAR is for supporters on the ground, you, you feel totally cut out. To me, it's more designed for people sitting in the house. So I think they would have known sooner than we did that there was going to be a VAR check, and so they're up to date. They're seeing the replays and, and, and deciding whether they think it's a penalty or not. Whereas I'm sitting in the crowd thinking, why not? Why is there even an issue here? Because I didn't see anything. I didn't see any players claiming for anything. And so it just became quite confusing. And then when the referee came back and gave the penalty, you're just like, well, what the hell happened there? Uh, and so I must admit, I'm not a fan of VAR. I think I've been quite vocal about that in the past. And this experience done nothing to, to warn me to it. Uh, what about you? How did you find the whole situation? That's the, I think it was like a three, four minute delay before we got the decision. I was I was sat in the, the Copeland Road on Thursday night, um, and as soon as it happened, my dad had actually said that's a penalty, um, 
and it, as you say, it took a wee while for them to actually decide. I do like that. I like that model of VAR though, compared to the Premier Leagues. I think it's a, it, it does add a slight bit of drama, and I, like, I think the referees are much quicker to go at the screen, which is really what they should do every time, in my opinion, um, rather than rely on someone. Because it's all subjective, I think, and I think it's got to be the match referee that makes the final call based on the video evidence. But yeah, I think no, I agree with you actually on the on the point you made about the, the live experience. That was my first experience of it as well, and I did feel like there's a lot of sort of what's going on here type thing with the fans. Like, why is it t- you know we can't see what he sees, whereas when you watch it on TV, at least you can be like, oh well. That's a penalty or whatever. Well, but see, even with that, like I, I put, I, I went out on social media at the time saying VAR, the question that, and a few people came back in. Some saying that's a stonewall penalty, others saying, aye, that's a harsh one. So even then, even though VAR had its, its, its intervention, you know, you're still, it's not taking away the, the debate. There's still people saying, oh, I'm not so sure about that, and other folks saying oh, it's a stonewall. So I, I, again, I still don't think that. It solves anything in that respect. So why not just go with the guy anyway? Why not just give the guy with a whistle and, and wearing the black jumper the, 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 the power to make it the decision anyway, rather than having you know an, an extra eye on the pitch? Yeah, but uh, back to the point I made initially, I think I like the, the idea of the referee himself being able to go over and look at the screen because then at least he is making the decision. He's just been guided and said, you may well have a look at this, um, and then he's going to have a look at it. The problem the Premier League have is it's not a constant the referee does that. Generally, it's a referee, you know, making a decision in a in a room. I think up here we've got a different level and different style of referee. So, like a an Andrew Dallas is going to make it probably going to make a different decision to um, try to think a good one or a semi good one. Uh, I don't know, but I say Bobby Madley for instance. No, not Bobby Madley. What's his name? Bobby Madden. Right. Um, they, but they're going to make. I th- I think it, it proves week to week that a lot of the referees in this country make um, different decisions in different situations. So if you've got say Bobby Madden in a VR room and Andrew Dallas in the pitch, it's not guaranteed they would agree on the, the decision. So if you're going to do VR, in my opinion. It should always be the referee that makes a decision based on being told you may want to look at this, and then he has a look at it. Because I always, I always assumed that was how it worked, but the Premier League version just seems to be convoluted and just poor in general. Yeah, someone um, sitting in an industrial estate, three hundred mile away from the ground, saying yeah. no go or offside or yeah. yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I still feel that from a supporter's perspective in the ground. It just feels like you're cut out the whole thing, and that's that's what I find frustrating. The delay. That I mean, I suppose it would have been easier to take if I'd seen players claiming for it, and the referee wasn't sure and went to the screen. But the fact there was absolutely zero claims. No one seemed to think that there was an issue with it, and then all of a sudden there's this delay, and you're sitting about. It. So I, I, yeah, it didn't warm me to VAR. Uh, I'm trying to be as open-minded as possible to it because I think it will eventually. Uh, make its way to, to Scotland maybe a few years away, but I think we will eventually have it. But I think I think I think you're right. The, the version they have in England isn't working, and it, it certainly needs refined before we get it up here because it will cause more arguments than I care to mention. If uh, I mean imagine that in an old fun game, 
you know, yeah. no, no one claims for a penalty, and then the game gets stopped, and a penalty gets given, it would just be pandemonium. Uh, but aye, it's, it is what it is, but I, I, I just found it a wee bit, like you're sort of taken out, the, for a moment you're not even part of the thing, you're just sort of sitting there, what's going on, don't know what's going on, and I, I can't say I really enjoyed it. Uh, as you said earlier on, you know, Tav had a lot of bad game, David, I thought a few others sort of up to the, the sort of performance levels of late. I thought Kamara had a fairly decent game. Felt quite sorry for him. I didn't think he deserved to come off, actually. Aribo done okay. I thought Morelos in the second half once Camberry came on, had, had a wee bit more about him, you know, a wee bit more tempo to his game and, and moving the ball about. One who continues to to, to cause problems, though, and, and, and it's really concerning how far he's fallen in terms of his form. Stephen Davis. I mean, I would, I could, I think I could argue that that's his worst ever game in a Rangers jersey on Thursday night. I, I think it, he's, in terms of how many passes he completed, I reckon he gave the ball away 70, 80% of the time he received it. And it just, I mean, when you consider where he was in the early part of the season, you know, I would say up until Christmas, there was a chance that he was going to be not just Rangers player of the year, but Scotland's player of the year. I thought he was having a great season. And since he's came back from the, from the break, David, his his form has been, as I said, it's 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 again I'm trying to be diplomatic, but it, the 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 performance levels and how far they've, they've dipped is a concern, in my opinion. I think the concerning thing, especially with the all night, was the amount of times he gave the ball away, and it was it wasn't just giving the ball away; it was like horrendously awful, you know, attempts. Um, and just, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I know what his role is in the team at the moment. And I think we've got a big issue with the three central midfielders and that nobody really knows what the role is. So we don't have a defensive midfielder, which I think we've needed for a, a long time. And then we've got Davis, who doesn't really know what his role in the, the midfield is. Arfield, who's, again, really just chasing shadows at times. And Kamara, who I make the point all the time, but I think he's a he's a good player to have in midfield three. But there was so much expectation on him, what there maybe is at the moment, and without Ryan Jack, especially in the team, I don't think he, he performs as well as he as he could. Um, and I think that's that's one of the biggest problems in the team at the moment is the midfield three and the understanding the roles. And I think when you've got a few players so badly off form. And when Davis is one of your leaders, one of your, your you know, top top pros and all experienced players, when he's playing like that, it's really, really difficult to to you know see a a way forward for the team sometimes because it's just not what you'd expect from him. And I've I've, I've certainly never seen him go through a, a spell like this where he's he's been so poor. I, I mean, I would agree. It's, I mean, I know when he first, when he came back last season, he looked off it. He hadn't played a lot of football, and you could tell, you know. But towards it, even then, towards the end of last season, you could start to see that he was his fitness was picking up, and he was starting to become the player that we all knew he could be. And then this season, he just kicked off. I, I mean, I've said that a few times on the show previously. I, I, I feel a fully fit Stephen Davis at the top of his form is the best midfielder in this country and I don't think there's any doubt about that but as you said there now I mean the amount of times he gave the ball it actually felt like, like the opposition knew what he was going to do 
before he did. You know, he was so hesitant, he was so nervous, he was so off it that they were every time he got the ball, you could see them reading exactly what he was trying to do because it seemed to me that the majority of the time he was trying to pass it back. You know, anytime he got the ball, pass it back. He was just getting intercepted time and time and time again. And it's hard to, to understand why a player of his ability is performing so poorly at the moment. And it's concerning. I mean, I know he's, he's you know, he's 34, 35 now. So, you know, he's he's got more years behind him than he's got in front of him. But, you know, he looked, he, he looks after himself. He's obviously still fit. and But his form at the moment is... And I, I think it's the, that's where, why we are where we are. You know, I think that's why we've, we've fallen away in the league because too many players like him our top performers, the players that we rely on, have just not turned up. I don't think Ryan Jack's really turned up. I know he's been injured, but even when he has been playing, he's not looked himself. Borna Barisic, the same. Kamara, the same. Davis, Morelos. Too many of these these big, big players have just have just tailed off. But I think at the moment, he is arguably the one that's, that's sort of the worst of that group, if you know what I mean. Uh, but... I mean, moving on, you know, we knew that the game the following week, we came, came out of Ibrox. Well, I came out of Ibrox sort of resigned to the fact that we're out, that's it. You know, it would take a huge turnaround for, for us to to recover that situation. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I think the last 16, when you consider that the Rangers started in day one of the tournament, I think they're the first club ever in the history of the Europa League to start on day one and, and, and get to the last 16. I think they've got a kinder draw. We would have never got through, but it would have all been for nothing anyway because, you know, things are where they are. The game over in Leverkusen was supposed to be behind closed doors. Then on Friday, UEFA announced they, they were they were having a meeting on Tuesday to discuss this sort of ongoing situation with the coronavirus. All the games from that from that point on were cancelled. So we got word that the, the Leverkusen game over there was cancelled. A lot of supporters who had already booked a travel, obviously very upset about that losing deposits and probably a wee bit more to do it, you know, so that's not ideal. It, it sort of became evident on Friday that this was developing, uh, David, you know, this was this was going to start to escalate. Then we get word that the SPFL postponed all their games, uh, Premier League have postponed all the games, and it just seemed to be one thing after another. And that's when you started to realise, you know, we're, we're in sort of new territory here. So how did, as you were getting updates on Friday, how did you feel? I think that was quite a seismic shift on Friday. Um, there was a lot of things, you know, it wasn't just football, there was a lot of things cancelled. Um, Radio 1's big weekend and Dundee was cancelled as well, so there was quite a lot going on. And I think that was quite a, a big, big day for football. Um, but it was good to just get the I think for everyone to get that closure and know exactly how long, uh, certainly in the first stage, that it's going to be. Um, but it's difficult. I mean, it's maybe been a lot. The a lot of directors and chairmen across the country would have been would have been concerned when when that news was uh, was announced because a lot of clubs, probably Rangers included, rely on their, their match day income, and you know if if that's not coming in, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And I think the likelihood is they'll try and get the season back, you know, as soon as possible. But, you know, the more of, depends how you speak to, I think, these things. But, you know, it could be four weeks, it could be four months. You just don't know um, quite how long it's going to last. And it's, as I said, as I said earlier, I, I think it's more worrying for football clubs and for businesses 
the actual virus itself, I, I don't think people should be as terrified as they are about it. You know, you read a lot of, of things, conflicting reports, but generally, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be, I think it's just a, it's a knock-on effect for, for all these, these different things. And for football clubs, you know, the match day income is, is so big and in terms of their actual finances, to not have that, it's going to be interesting to see how many how many clubs, you know, um, are struggling and, and have to take extraordinary measures just to just to pay the bills, because you know the players are still contracted and still need their wages. So um, I think about a lot of people across the country will be concerned at the moment um, with the with the, the thought that it could be you know four months before we get the season underway, and then as well as that, and I think. What has been a massive talking point where it really shouldn't have been over the past couple of days has been what you do with the season, whether it ends, whether it's non void, whether you extend it, cancel the Euros. You know, there's a lot of big questions there. So when when we do eventually have, you know, we're in a position to bring football back, there's going to be a lot of arguments and debates over what should should happen moving forward as well. I mean, well, that's I mean, that's kind of where I'm I'm going to try and take the conversation next. Uh, I mean, I think football has, has sort of worked its way into a corner here, you know, because the, especially sort of the Champions League and the Europa League, you know, the, the early stages of that tournament start in July. So if the, the season's getting extended, which I think is unlikely, because the isolation measures that have just been put in place. That's just the start. And, you know, all the information that we're getting from the Scottish government, from the UK government, they're all saying, this is just the start. It's going to get worse. And it seems to me that they're going to be saying to businesses like restaurants and cinemas and pubs and bars and all the rest of it, cafes, you need to close. And, you know, there's, 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 the, the isolation thing is going, only, only going to get more severe. Because I've heard people saying and suggesting, well, we could finish the season with playing behind closed doors. But that's not going to work either. If your if your government is telling you, right, you can't cross your front door, you can't be asking a squad, you know, two squads of twenty players plus managers, coaches, physios, uh, ground staff, and sort of even the odd security person turning up to to turn up at the same place and potentially spread that virus. And so many footballers are, are, are sort of uh, testing positive for it at the moment as well. So it seems to me that. We're not going to get a season done and dusted anytime soon. And if the new season on a European basis starts in July, and even tournaments like the Scottish Cup, they start sort of early August, September. You know, I had a Celtic fan saying to me today, I will next season, we, we finish the Scottish Cup next season. Which I found quite ironic considering we couldn't get past two weeks in 2008 when Rangers were in the UEFA Cup final. You know, we couldn't extend it by a week, two weeks because, you know, sport and integrity. But now we can all of a sudden just shove next this season's Scottish Cup into next season. And it, it just seems to me that because the the, 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 the sort of influx in money in the game and the, the sort of determination to get as many games on the TV as possible has meant the tournaments have, have, have sort of been exp- expanded and extended. So the Champions League final is on June the 1st or whatever. And it starts again, like four or five weeks later at the early stages. So it leaves very, very little room, in my opinion, to try and finish this season. If, if, if this suspension goes on past three, four, five weeks, then I can't see how 
we can fit that in further down the line. It, it just becomes almost impossible. I would suspect that Euro 2020 is maybe gone. I, I have a feeling that might, they might try and kick that on to Euro 2021. I think they might try and kick that into next year. But even then, you're still you're still struggling to get all these things wrapped up before the new season really begins. And I, I found it odd that Neil Lennon, I mean, the minute all the games were suspended, all the managers just, you know, cancelled the, the sort of Friday press conference, apart from Neil Lennon, and he came out sort of kicking and fighting, saying, well, if the season finishes now, we're declared champions, which I found uh, slightly distasteful. Now, if you flip it around the other way, if this was Rangers who were in this position, of course, you would be thinking, well, this seems unfair. The one team I kind of get out of my mind at the moment is Liverpool. You know, they were on the they were on the cusp of their first title in 30 years. They're so far ahead. For the league to stop now just seems cruel. You know, I mean, and the possibility that they won't get that title seems cruel. However, there isn't going to be a fair way of doing this. I think you just have to try and find the fairest unfair way, if you know what I mean. And I can't see how you can dish out titles, relegation, and all that kind of thing when clubs have not paid, uh, sorry, played all the necessary games. I mean, if I was a Hearts fan and they were telling me you're going to get relegated right now, even though we've only played 30 games, I wouldn't be happy. The whole thing with, with Celtic being handed the title, well, you know, if the game had gone ahead today and Rangers had won, that brings it down to 10. If uh, they win their game in hand, that takes it down to 7. So we're seven points behind, potentially seven points behind, with uh, having played 31 games, so seven games to go. Now, in 2005, Celtic came to Ibrox, beat us at Ibrox after the split. Four games to go, there were five points ahead, and they still lost it. We won the, we won the title at Easter Road that season. So there, is, there, are, there are examples to say there that these sort of point difference can be, can be chewed into over seven, eight games. So if, if if I was Stuart Robertson going into this meeting, and you know they say they say right this is what's going to happen, Celtic are going to be declared champions. They get access to the Champions League. I think Rangers would be looking at well no can't accept that you know because we might have got a crack at that money. We could have won the league and get a crack at the Champions League cash. If I'm Stuart Robertson, they say well look we can't dash out any points uh, sorry any prizes, but what we can do to try and alleviate the thing, we, we, we dish out the European places and the prize money based on last season's placings, then as, uh, Stuart Robertson, I think, well, okay, I can accept that. I can accept that. We're not going to get the Champions League money because the, re the season's finished. But if they're saying they're not going to give us a, a crack at that Champions League money because they're preempting who was going to win the league, that causes problems for me and... I think it's just, I, I, I think this is going to be one huge bun fight. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the big problem at the moment is nobody knows, nobody knows A, when we're going to be back playing, B, what the decision's going to be from whatever government body. I just think it's it's really difficult and that's why there's so much speculation because nobody actually knows. Um, and the sooner there's some some sort of statement from uh, a governing body of some some sort, I think the better. For us at the moment, we're all living in this world where it's like, well, you know, you shouldn't get the title, you should get the title, you should get relegated, you shouldn't get relegated. 
in the Chris Sutton corner all day. It was just bizarre. Um, when he was saying that Celtic should be champions, the Hearts should, should be relegated. See if we're all honest with ourselves. The likelihood is Celtic are going to win the league. Um, but that's not really the point because you can't play you know, 29, 30 games and be given a title just like that. Just like you can be relegated when you're only four points behind you know, the 11th place team. Hearts would, the financial implications for Hearts being relegated will be huge. It may happen in its own time, but that, that to just say you're relegated, even though you've got eight games to you know to right the wrongs of your season so far, it, it, it's, it's it's absolutely wrong. And I think that I think that kills the debate over the the title aspect of it straight away because you just can't have a this be a one size fits all type thing. So you know titles, relegation, whatever would all have to be dished out or all not dished out, and the season would have to be completed properly. Um, there's just so many ifs and buts though, and it's I think it's a case that everyone should really just be trying to keep their powder dry a wee bit um, until we know we're giving guidance from UEFA, SPFL, whatever. Um, because at the moment we're just all in the dark, and that's that's the most difficult thing. That's the most dangerous thing because the less information that you give people, the more speculation arises because of that. And I think it'll be interesting to see what the next couple of days bring because I can see there being a lot more both in terms of football and the wider the wider issue um, and, and what steps are going to be taken. But, yeah, I agree. I agree with all the points you made. I don't think you can dish out the title. I don't think you can relegate clubs this time. Um, one thing I, I would think would be quite good if, if there was going to be a non-void situation or whatever, you could probably expand the league, make it a bit bigger, you know, for next season, bring teams up, promote teams accordingly. That would maybe work, but that would be the only way I would see anything being given out at this stage. I think I think it would be a full new um, new setup for Scottish football if you were going to be that radical. Uh, what I think what I think will happen is probably the season will be extended, and there'll be hopes that maybe this time next month, middle of next month, we could be back playing. I think that's what they'll quietly be hoping. Whether that's realistic. Probably not, but we'll be hoping to get it back up and running as soon as possible, and then extending it accordingly. And, and and with regards to you know the season being extended, David, have we not been here already? You know we've been here in two thousand and eight, and we were told, you know, in no uncertain terms, that you know extending the league compromised on the sport and integrity of the league. Now I know you could argue it's different circumstances at the moment, and it affects everyone. The situation that Rangers were in at the time, you know, was was farcical. You know, being asked to play four games in eight days and all that nonsense. And so, I mean, again, if I'm sure Robertson going into a meeting, I am pulling Peter Lowell's quotes out and saying, well, this is what we were told in 2008. How can you possibly extend the league? Uh, I, I find your comments about the... This is something I was thinking about earlier on as well. You know, with so many clubs maybe looking at such a prolonged period of... of of no sort of gate receipts and fans through the door. Would this present an opportunity to say to clubs, right, okay, the top two at the moment in first division go to the, the, the Premier League to try and re- recoup some of that money that they're going to lose, you know what I mean? So if, if we're giving some teams a, a shunt up the league, you know, it's increasing their revenue a wee bit that way. 
and doing away with relegation. You know, stop no relegating teams so that we're you know because if you relegate Hearts, if you tell Hearts, for example, that right, you're not going to get any gate receipts for the next five six games uh, or the five or six remaining home games that you have, and we're going to relegate you. Well, that has a huge impact on you know their finances, their budgeting, and all that kind of thing. And as you pointed out, uh, you know some players are signed up to contracts. And another thing we extend in the league is players' contracts end in June. And a lot of their registrations end in June. So how do we get around that? You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, I, I would genuinely like the season to finish because the thought of there being no football between now and sort of August time is frankly terrifying. But I just can't see any way around it. I can't see how, based on what looks like is coming, how we're going to get games up and running and get them done before next season starts to kick in. You know, you're, 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 you have to find time where players get a break. You have to find time where they can prepare for the new season. I don't think the two can overlap, uh, especially if you're going to be asking some players if Euro 2020 is kicked into next year. So you can be saying to players, right, there's no summer break this year. You're getting a wee break just now. Uh, but there's no summer break, so you'll just be playing right through the summer and it's right into the new season. And then, oh, by the way, those of you who are selected for international duty next year, you don't get a break then either because you're straight into Euro 2021 and then you're back to pre-season. At some point, we need to consider the welfare of the players as well because I just don't think that is entirely feasible. I think it's true, but as I said, it's difficult. And I think if we're doing this podcast this time next week, we maybe have a bit more of a clue what what the time scales were going to be for this. Because at the moment we're all just in the dark and it's really, really difficult to make any predictions because none of us really know. And I don't think any of us know anything really, whether it's the timings of when it's likely to be back or what's actually going to happen about this season. So, you know, it's really difficult to to discuss without just discussing absolutely everything that anyone's saying, which is a lot. Um, and it's... Maybe the SPFL should should take the opportunity to be more radical with the with the league and and shake things up a bit. But well, they do that probably not. Um, so I think we'll just have to just have to wait and see. From a Rangers perspective, sorry, David, do you go in there with the feeling that again, if you're Stuart Robertson, are you going in there thinking, right, well, we just need to get through this period? It's unprecedented, uncharted waters, whatever decision they come to, we just need you run with it and roll with it. Or if they're handing out trophies and Champions League money based on 30 games, do you think Rangers are, are then, and other clubs, again, a Hearts or whatever, do you think they're then looking at, well, we need to be taking legal advice here and, you know, the reputation of sport, all that kind of thing? It, it, it just seems to me that this is just the beginning, you know. As I, as I've said before, this is totally unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this. I think I think the only time we'll have seen anything like this before would have been the war, you know, the, the Second World War. I think that was the last time you know play was suspended for such a long, long time. And it, it just I, I I don't know if football clubs and and football associations are ready for anything like this. I don't think there's anything there to prepare them for stuff like this. However, as individual clubs. And because there's so much money in the game, you know, as I said earlier on, I think if I'm Stuart Robinson and they say, right, we're scrapping everything, nobody gets any prizes. However, we dish out places to the Champions League, Europa League and all that kind of thing based on last season. I think 
And as a Rangers supporter, I would think that you're okay. It's not ideal, but that's what we need to do. If we're losing out on on the Champions League money because they're preempting something, I think that's a different thing. And I think there's legal ram- potential legal ramifications there. So how do you think Rangers will be viewing this? Do you think they'll just be going in and saying, like, we just need to get this done and dusted and move on? Or do you think they're going in there thinking, well, we need to see what's getting said here because if it doesn't suit us, we're not accepting it? I think it'll probably be the latter. I think there'll be a lot of clubs will be looking at it that way. You know, it's not just um, it's not just Rangers and Celtic and Hearts. You know, there's, there's teams there like Aberdeen, Motherwell, Hibs, St Johnston even, that are like fighting for a third, you know, a European spot. Um, there's money in that for them, depending on how far they go, but there's certainly money in that. There's a bit of prestige in that. Finishing third to you know, in that in that league, especially with the Rangers and Celtic being good this season, the big achievement. Uh, there's a Premiership playoff. You know, Hamilton are in that at the moment, but that could you know, Samirin are still fighting uh, for safety. You know, it, it's not just a every club in that league now. Really, when you look at it, will be keen to you know play on and and, and earn what they're whatever their objectives are. So I don't think it would just be Rangers that began with an ear on how, you know, this plays out because I think every club that's fighting for something still will be looking at this and thinking we can't miss out because of this. You know, there needs to be there needs to be more, you know, debate over it and what we're actually doing. Because if they just said, right, we're finishing the season some clubs would probably be happy because they'd be in the positions they want to be in, like St Mirren, Motherwell, Celtic. But then there'll be more clubs that'll be really, really pissed off with the situation and think there's no way this can this can happen. So I don't know if it's... Uh, the other thing is I don't know if it's a UEFA decision across the globe or if each governing body gets their own, you know, makes their own decision on it. So... Again, that's just another another part that we're, we're sort of waiting to, to find out. Um, but yeah, I don't think it'll just be Rangers that'll be looking at this with a keen eye. I think there'll be a few clubs that'll be thinking, right, we need to we need to make sure that, that we are being looked after too. As I said earlier on, David, you know, Neil Lennon came out Friday. The only manager that I'm aware of that didn't cancel is his Friday press conference. And it seemed to me to be a deliberate sort of PR move you know, to get that narrative in there sort of early on that Celtic wanted to be crowned champions if, if the season is sort of ended now and declared null and void. Now, as I said earlier, it seems to me that it's all started. It's not really started yet, but I think it's got the potential to turn into a bun fight and get really, you know, quite petty and, as I said, legal ramifications and lawyers and lawsuits and all that kind of thing. Is this just an example, another example that, you know, the power of money and what it's doing in the game is actually detrimental? It's it's not a good thing that that there's so much money in the game. It just turns things like this into an even bigger thing, if you know what I mean. I don't think it's the case in Scotland, though, the money situation. And I think you'll see that over the next few weeks because there's a lot of clubs there that will be dependent on, as I said, match the income. So... Up here, I don't think the money aspects is big a deal as it seems. Even even the South Can Rangers side of it, I don't think their clubs 
you know, driven by money either because this full nine or ten or all thing is a massive part of this full debate as well. Um, so I don't know if it's really a money thing. I think it's more a it's more a sort of bragging rights thing with Celtic, and we have an incredible PR machine in this country, which you know they're very good at planting seeds and then having their own you know, attack dogs who are pundits peddling it for them as well. Whereas we seem to have sort of poor handling on our PR. And then we have ex-players in the media who don't maybe... And I don't think it's necessarily a bad, bad thing for the record because we have more, probably, more pundits that have played for us that are a bit more, you know, subjective in what they, they view football as, whereas Celtic have got a lot of guys who will, you know, pedal the, the party line for them in the media. And we saw that over the weekend. And that's 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 just a, something they're very, very good at. Um, so I think there's going to be much more of that as the week's going. It's just the strip titles debate all over again type thing, I think. And that went on for a while. So I think we've just got to kind of put our tin hats on and, and expect even more of the same. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a whole, it kind of feels like the Resolution 12 thing as well, don't it? you know, and that's another thing, it just seems to be that, that so much arguing gets done off the park now, rather than on it, you know, and I just find a lot of it tiresome, I must admit, I found, I did find it, I mean, I know I'm biased and I get that, I, I, you know, I'm coming from a Rangers perspective on this, but I did find it odd that Lennon took his opportunity to, you know, when every other club had uh, cancelled their, their their Friday press conference. He still went out and, and had a, had a wee go and sort of planted that seed, as you said. Uh, and with regards to Chris Sutton, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, you know, in one of his English columns, he, he he's totally contradicted himself. You know, I mean, up here he's demanding that Celtic are champions and that Hearts get relegated. But down south in one of his other columns, he's saying that it's it's too soon to declare Liverpool as champions. You know, you can't be dishing out the the league. If 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 the, the campaign isn't complete, so he's totally contradicting himself. I mean, it, it seems to, it actually seems like he doesn't know what the internet is. He seems to think, well, people down south and all see what I'm saying uh, up north and vice versa and all that kind of thing. Well, of course you can. You can just go on, online and, and and see the different versions. So it it just seems, as you say, it's just all up in the air, and and I just think it's it's it's, it's going to get worse. Uh, and something that maybe isn't getting enough focus on is the impact that this will have in clubs. So, you know, as we were talking earlier on, especially the, I mean, I mean that's maybe why clubs will argue about placings as well because prize money is dished out based on placement. You know what I mean? So if you finish third in the league, you're getting more than the person that finishes fourth and fifth and sixth. You know, so if they're going to scrub all that and base it on last season, well, some clubs will maybe not, not be too happy at that. So, I mean, I, I I saw a thing that I think it was Wraith Rovers chairman saying that, you know, they already feel like they, they could be a mule bother if this goes on for any length of time. You know, Rangers and Celtic and all the top tier clubs get a wee bit of TV money, but once you start going down those leagues, it doesn't really work like that. You know, all your local clubs, as you say, they're tied into contracts. The balls still keep coming through the door, but no money's coming through the door because they depend so much on gate receipts and, and, and match the income. 
So if this does go on to sort of August, September thing, can you see clubs going? Can you see clubs folding because they just simply don't have the money to pay the bills? I don't know. Again, I, I generally don't know. I think there's a, there's a risk of that in some clubs. Um, I was reading the other day, certainly insurance policies some clubs have got on, on events like this that can possibly help. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of rallying around in terms of fund, you know, fundraising things by fans uh, and the like. So, but I don't think it's completely out of the question that that could happen. I think there's a lot of clubs who will de- depend on, you know, don't have rich owners that depend on the match day income. I think Rangers will probably have a knock-on effect as well. I don't think it'll be massively drastic, but they'll miss out on a lot of cash um, from match days uh, as well. So there's no doubt it's a worrying time for especially Scottish football clubs who can't depend on the sort of resources the English teams have got. Um, in terms of money and sponsorship. So I think there'll be a few worried worried chairmen kicking about uh, this week and counting the, you know, the, the pennies uh, best they can because I think it's, it's such uncertain times that people just don't know, you know, what's going to happen next. And in terms of Rangers, David, now, obviously, I mean, my... Suspicion is that, you know, if the, the season is cancelled and voided or whatever you want to call it, you know, I think there was maybe five, six uh, remaining fixtures. Now, I don't think Rangers will provide a, a refund. I think the money for those games will come off next season's season ticket, sort of running along the scheme that they've got. You know, they've got the buyback scheme. If you can't make the game, the club buy your ticket, but they don't give you the money for it straight away. It comes off the cost of your season ticket the following season. I think that's maybe a way, a way that the club will be looking at dealing with any, you know, writing off of the season and no more games getting played this season. That comes a wee bit different in terms of the, the hospitality. Obviously, they're going to lose out on that. Uh, probably some sponsorship stuff as well. But, you know, on the, on the plus side, you know, we've just got to the last 16, so we'll, we'll, we'll receive money for that. There's talk of this £20 million investment coming in. They're on, the, they're on the lookout at the moment for a new uh, kit sponsor, so hopefully that would bring money in when that's uh, finalised, although obviously the Sports Direct thing's still rumbling away in the background. But overall, do you think it positive? I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's not a positive thing to, to lose the, 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 the potential match revenue, but can you see it having a huge impact on Rangers? Because, I, I mean, obviously the boys over the road are saying it's admin to again. I don't think so. But again, it's uncertain term, uncertain times. But no, nah, but I wouldn't have thought this will have a major impact on us necessarily. But you know, you don't know, and it, it certainly could affect next season's budget. You know, for players and stuff like that. Um, if we do lose out quite a lot of income, but again, it's really really hard to discuss because you just don't know what's going to happen next and how long we're going to be off for and, and that sort of thing. So. Hopefully, I'd like to think it wouldn't have as much of an impact as people maybe think, but um, at the moment, everything's just up in the air and it's, it's difficult. Because if you're talking four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, you know, I thought it'd have a great impact. Four months is a different thing altogether. Um, I think you would see it affecting you know, the kitty for, for new players and stuff like that next season. And if not, if it wasn't, it just mean we're taking a lot more 
money from Dave King and the Three Bells, you know, more sort of soft loans, uh, which just isn't really ideal. Um, but is, short, is term, that, short term, I don't that, think it'll have a major, major impact. Is there not an opportunity at the moment as well, though, David, to, you know, probably one of the areas of the, the, the club that we've not been very strong at is player sales. Now, I know Morelos has struggled recently, eh, as has Barisic, eh, but surely the likes of him, they two, and Kamara, would, I mean, if you sold the three of them in the summer, that would also surely get you in a, a good sort of 20, 30 million. Yeah, yeah, potentially. But, I, again, I don't know, I don't know what, what will happen next, and, how will it affect if, if the season extended, for instance? How will that affect the transfer window? And as you said, you know, players are out of contract and stuff like that. Um, but also, what does it mean for the actual process of buying and selling players? Um, but yeah, I, I, I would envisage in the summer we will sell players. I think the likelihood is Morelos will definitely go. Um, but then you're sort of thinking about three or four others that could potentially bring in some money. Um, but I think I think we will look to sell players this summer, not for a not for a great any great reason other than we need to get into that model in that way. I think and that we need to start buying small, selling high. And I think this will be the first summer where we probably see that that strategy coming into coming into play. Well, hopefully. I mean, I I, I just I just think you know when you consider we got Morelos for what a million. Uh, I mean, I still think you could you could command. I know, as I say, his forms dipped recently. I still think you could demand a, a decent fee for him. Same with the Barisic, and his agent seems adamant that he's away in the summer. Uh, and, and I also think someone like, as I said, Kamara. I think you, would, you know, there's been rumblings that some sort of bottom half Premiership clubs have been interested in him for sort of eight nine million. So, I do think. You know, it's not ideal, and and for a club that's trying to recover from a sort of major financial event, you know, the, the events of 2012, something like this is not an ideal. And if it had happened maybe two, three seasons ago, we maybe could have been, you know, struggling a wee bit. But I think the two the two runs in Europe have really boosted the coffers. I think we've boosted the profile of some of our players, and we can demand, you know, higher fees for them when they when they go. And there's talk of this, as I said, there's talk of this investment, you know, there's going to be restructuring at the, in the sort of boardroom. It seems like Dave King's going to sort of bow out at some point. And there's, there's fresh money coming in and fresh people coming in. So, I, as I said, I don't think it's ideal, the situation, but I don't think it's going to have as big an impact as it could have had on us. Uh, and I certainly don't think, you know, the claims of admin two are anywhere near the mark. Uh, David, conscious of time, we're, we're sort of near near an hour. As a football fan, uh, how are you going to fill your your Saturdays and Sundays for the next uh, four months? Because this is, I mean, that, that's the longest preseason ever. I think that I'll ever encounter. And I, as I said, it wasn't until yesterday, walking down the road, and I was speaking to my boy, and just all of a sudden, it's, it, as I said, the penny dropped straight away with the twos. We just sort of looked at one another, like, oh my god, because as I said, even his games are cancelled. All your junior and sort of lower league games are cancelled. It's just we're getting into a totally on on sort of unprecedented time, and it just feels like 
I don't know. I, I mean, today, I was a wee bit like you today as well. I was checking Twitter every now and again to try and see what was happening with some of the games. And then you remember there's no games. My mate's telling me he's getting texts from uh, his Skybet account trying to get him to bet on games in bloody New Zealand or something like that because <laughs> their league's still running. You know, and, and, and obviously Ross from the pod works in the, 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 the gambling industry. You know, the impact it's going to have on them because there's literally no sport in this country to gamble on. Uh, so the, the next few months as a football fan, how's it how's it going to feel for you? I think it'll be. It's not really something I like to to comprehend, but I think it was going to, as I say, and I hate to sound boring, but it's really difficult to, to sort of envisage what's going to happen because we just don't know. Um, I can see myself, you know, being in a lot of coffee shops on Saturdays, <laughs> P-Mark, all that. It's exciting stuff. Being uh, you. Aye, aye. Um, but yeah, listen, listen it's, it's going to be an interesting couple of days. And I think by next weekend, maybe we'll have more of an idea of what's what's really going to happen and how long we're going to be out again. Uh, it would be great to see it back as soon as possible, I think. So I think we'll see just how much, how big a part it is for the, the country over the over the coming days and weeks. Because without it, you know, you, you do lose you, you lose something from from a sort of you know society viewpoint and just that sort of coming together and you know having that common something in common with the bloke at your luck. You know, it's I think that'll be the funny thing about it. So that conversations you probably have on, on a day-to-day basis about football and they're going to dry up soon enough because there's not going to be anything to actually talk about. Um, so that's that's worrying, but I think we'll just need to wait and see what happens in the next few days and, and hopefully hopefully it's not as long as everyone everyone's saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it at all. I must admit I'm... It just fills me with dread. I must admit the thought of there being no football and thinking it could be like five, four or five months before I'm back at Ibrox for a game again, it, it, it just seems, uh, well, for a competitive game at least, it just seems really, really strange. So, aye, not looking forward to it, but uh, totally uncharted territory, I suppose, and we just need to, to suck it up and get on with it. Uh, David, conscious of time, I think we'll... we'll uh, call time on tonight there so a big thanks to David uh, for his, his contributions tonight that is the end of this week's episode of the Jersnet weekly podcast the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans we're going to try and keep going guys through this whole thing you know I mean obviously there will be things to talk about there's going to be decisions coming out of these meetings and how things are divvied up and is it so, uh, the season null and void or do we extend it or whatever so We'll be here next Sunday to bring you up to date with that. We'll also try and bring some other stuff in, classic games or something like that. But we're going to try and keep going through the uh, the coronavirus uh, sort of thing at the moment. Guys, look after yourself. You know, it really does feel really strange times at the moment. So, you know, follow the guidance and look after yourself. Look after your neighbours. Uh, and get onto the, the Jersnet forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, And until next week, bye for now.